Welcome to the Arena Deckless Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb. And you ever have one of those days, Brian? Yeah. Yes, I have. In fact, I am presently having one of those days. It's funny. So this is our second attempt at this. I tweeted about our troubles. So maybe ah. this has already been spoiled for folks. But with this second attempt at our podcast, in the last six days, I've done like, I'm, I'm pretty sure six podcasts now. And I also did flesh and blood world championships and i don't know how i'm still speaking my voice is in shambles presently i i didn't know you've been doing non-stop podcast man just constant podcast i did the arsenal pass podcast i did the combat chain podcast i did the instant speed podcast i did now my second episode of the arena decklis podcast uh so i guess that's five uh and the world championships and my laptop has about an hour and a half. So maybe maybe it will be six. Could be. Could be we just lose this one and then I, I saddle up one more time. Yeah. Anyway, internet problems, among other things, in attempting to move into my new place. I would like to say that at the very least progress is being made, but I'm not even sure that I can say that because... Yeah, it sounds like it, things have gotten worse since the last time we've spoken. <laughs> uh, it's, just, it's one of those things, man. You call Comcast, you're like, hey, my internet's not working, and then they just turn your internet off completely. So that, that's what happened. That'll teach you to complain. So anyway, now I'm in a room where I am staring at a BTS poster, and I'm, I'm ready to rumble. Let's do it. So, wait, are, are you like renting a, a K-pop stands Airbnb presently? Is that your... No comment. Your, no okay. comment. I just know that I will do anything to make sure that this podcast goes out. I'm, I'm a Blackpink guy myself, but, you know, no hate on BTS. Both is okay. All right, so... God, man, what did we even talk about this morning? I mean, I, I know there are new cards. Was there, did we get into some stuff before that? Well, like the, you have to give me this back. So like the first 20 minutes was me discovering the buttons that oh, yeah, on the top of the pot. Just, can you please play the sad piano music for me? Okay. One time. So it's dramatic piano for the record. Yeah. We've been doing this for a very long time. Yeah. Four, five years, something like that, right? Something and like that, yeah. Granted, Zencaster has not had these buttons the entire time, but they've been there for a while. And not only have I resisted the urge to push them, but I haven't even told you about them. Yeah, because, I know. Because reasons. So anyway, I've lasted, let's say like two years. Let's say they've had them for two years, right? Two years. Mm -hmm. No no commenting, no pushing of buttons, whatever. Due to my internet issues, I was like, it's probably better if Brian hosts because he has like the stable connection, right? And that was a good idea. And Brian made it all of like 20 seconds before he's like, what's this do? Amazing. I can think of so many monologues I've done on the Arena Deckless podcast where this was just the perfect fit. Like it would have been such a good backdrop to everything I was saying. And this is just, just a sat there. This is just a button. Like, push. button. Yeah. yeah, it just plays piano. And then, and then I nice just close it. Yeah, and then slow fade out. Uh, yeah, there's one that says ballpark, one that says drums, intro, outro. I think you can just like add your own. Uh, I, yeah, we I would just, have 400 buttons if I was in charge of putting together the podcast every week. Yeah, you could just upload your your own files. So anyway, that's not what we do here. <laughs> we don't have fun around here, Brian. All right, right. Serious business all the time. Yes, yeah, so you got to play with your buttons. What else? I think that's about it. I think we did that, and then we we talked about our quasi top 10 list. We laid out the new rules for top 10, which are 
there are no rules. We do whatever we want. <laughs> Basically, yeah. It was. Uh, I, I had some cards where I was like, all right, these are definitely going to make it. But a lot of them were just kind of boring removal spells. And the other 20 cards I liked were kind of whatever. Could be sort of anywhere in the list. And a lot of the cards were just like pretty good and pretty interesting. And so it was just like, look, let's, let's just talk about the stuff that we want to talk about. And not necessarily focus on what is going to see the most play or what is going to have the biggest impact or how you want to quantify top 10 card in a set. Especially considering that a lot of these cards are, I don't know, maybe not there explicitly for things like Pioneer and Modern or whatever, but like a lot of the reason that we want to talk about them is because, you know, not for their standard applications or anything. So a lot of reasons to move away from a traditional top 10 list. Yeah, and I'm not even sure what format exactly we're supposed to be pointing to top 10 lists to. So we basically just found a bunch of cards we wanted to talk about. And these aren't crappy cards. I do think like when we sort of gestated down to our smallest possible list, I do think we have 10 of the best cards in the set by whatever metric you want to use. Uh, I do too, which is yeah. funny because we set out to be like not a top 10 list, right? And then it was like, oh crap, I think we just made a top 10 list. We have to like order these now. Turns out I just want to talk about good cards, I guess. So uh, it is what it is. Well, uh, before you talk about good cards, I want to talk about some crap. Not not like actual bad cards or whatever, but things that are interesting to me, I suppose. Is mm-hmm. that okay? Can I do yep. that? Yeah, yeah. I'll allow it. Blanchwood Prowler. Uh, 1G, 1-1. Creature Elemental. Not too bad. I like Elementals. When the center is a battlefield, mill three cards. You may put a land card from among the cards milled this way into your hand. If you don't, put a plus one, plus one counter on this. This is you coping with not being allowed to have Sailor Jeez, God, I hate that word so much. Sorry, but it is, it is what it is. And, you, didn't, uh, you didn't use that word this morning when we tried this the so. first time. No, no, you definitely did not. But, I, but I, that's, I, what, that's so what's before, happening here. You, you want Seder Wayfinder back and you're not getting it. So before we recorded, I took a nap because I just had a day, you know? And mm-hmm. if you would used that word this morning, I would have not woken up from my nap. I would have been like, I am off it. <laughs> that would just put you out of it. And yeah, man, I do like Seder Wayfinder. All right. We have a history. All right. And the card is very good and very nice. And three is way different than four. Like four is holy crap. This is an incredible enabler. Three is like, I guess I'll play this if I kind of have to. And it's such a distinct difference for just one card, you know? And oh, it really is. And I, I saw an article, I want to say it was a Frank Carson article, but it may not have been. I don't know if he's still doing those type of articles that was like talking about the percentages of hitting because this is a cycle and he was talking about hitting on this cycle and it's bad. You hit like 50% of the time and that's not really good enough for. You're saying there's a chance. Yeah, there, there's a chance, just like there's a chance when you cast Collected Company, but it's not going to happen. And I think that this card, it's good that this is what this card is now. It's it's really hard to make cards of Seder Wayfinder's quality and have them be okay. I think this probably has to hit three cards. I do wish they put some more points into the body to justify this switch and made like a power uncommon. But I understand that's not what this card is here for. It's just like a cycle. And it would not shock me if there's a perfect home for this, where it just is checking all the boxes of everything you need. And therefore, it seems it sees some play. It's it's not like an overtly powerful card, though. 
No, it becoming a 2-2 when you inevitably brick is not a, a good enough return on your investments. No, and, I wish it pushed to 3-3. Three, three. Well, I mean, at that point, then it's just like you probably just mill all the time and then just always make it a 3-3 three, three and you just don't care. But I don't know, maybe maybe that's fine too. Uh, basically feels like Seder Wayfinder is so powerful, so good of an enabler. That is a thing that you build around. Whereas this card is a thing that you will put in a deck that is trying to do this sort of thing. Yep. And you won't be super happy about it. But it's like, look, it's this is what I have. You know, I mean, I, I played the BG3-1 that mills two and you can, in theory, put a land on top. But like, why would you? Yep. And it, it was that same sort of thing. And like, granted, that deck was very bad too. So uh, maybe Blanchard Prowler would have made it slightly better. But if you are some sort of green-based, graveyard-loving thing, then maybe this is okay. And, you know, the body that leaves lying around, that's non-zero. There is a card in the set, at, at least one. There's probably multiples, actually, where having extra bodies is fine. So maybe... Maybe, Brian, but Maybe. Yeah, that, you're right, dude. It does sound a lot like hoping. Maybe. Yeah, there's actually a card in our top 10 list, which should pair with this pretty nicely. But I I just don't think the power level's there, especially given what's like standard looks like right now. Standard is kind of a mess presently. It's just all of the most powerful cards you could possibly <laughs> put in whatever combination of black X decks that you want and all the decks look exactly the same and it's it's miserable it, it's bad and i i don't think this does anything to break that paradigm and it's just kind of too low powered for where we're already at at five sets so as we push to six set mm, i don't know about this one well it's i mean it's not a card that you take in a vacuum right you have to look at everything else see if there's some graveyard stuff that maybe we glossed over or maybe there's something in the next set or whatever right but just taking the format as it exists now and then thinking about whether or not you want to add this doesn't really let you see the whole picture. So again, coping, you know, I'm, I'm holding out. Maybe, maybe this is good enough, but either way, yeah, like the turn two running this out there, assuming you're going to hit a land, uh, I, I wouldn't bet on that, you know? No, no, definitely not. Other interesting card is Fortified Beachhead, which is a land... And as it enters the battlefield, you may reveal a soldier card from your hand. This enters the battlefield tapped unless you reveal a soldier card this way or you control a soldier. It taps for white or blue. And you can pay five and tap it. Soldiers you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. Uh, there are a lot of appealing looking blue-white soldiers cards in the set. However, they mostly just amount to creatures. And there's a little bit of card advantage. They're slightly aggressively slanted and everything. I just don't necessarily think that that makes for a good standard deck at this point, even with Meat Hook gone. Like <laughs> if Meat Hook were still here, absolutely not. And the Meat Hook ban is supposed to potentially open the doors for things like this. And I, I don't think that it will necessarily. But the thing that struck me about this was that it's just a one-off. There's no cycle. Like th there's just a random extra blue-white dual land, which... When I think about doing dev work for them, you know, granted a while ago, like 2014 or whatever, if we had come to the conclusion that like soldiers is fun, it's close, but the man is not good enough because 
one of the main dual lands in the format, ETBs tapped on turn one. It was just out of the question that you add like a random one-off soldier land to the set to fix the mana, but here it is. And I think that that's awesome. I agree. I think it's perfect. And as much as I'm not yet convinced this is going to matter, these cards are irrelevant without this land. Like you don't even consider the possibility that you may want to put together this soldier deck in the face of everything else going on in the format. So why not go ahead and insert that one off and, and bring your tribal synergy together. And I think you need to given just like the baseline power level of the modern magic card. And if tribal synergy is going to stick, you got to give it some juice. You got to be willing to break the mold. I, I really, really like this approach. The other thing that could break, the right way for soldiers and i agree with you i don't think it's there yet but the thing that could make it good enough is if thalia becomes a real card that's the other card i really want to keep eyes on there are some cards that sort of incentivize like blue red spells ish deck i'm thinking of like third path iconoclast in particular uh monastery swift spear all cards which have generally been very strong rely on a high spell density rely on you playing multiple spells per turn thalia really shines in those scenarios so if there's something for Thalia to pick on, I become more convinced of this white-blue soldier archetype. But I, I'm not there yet. Regardless, good print, happy it's in the set. Yeah, me too. I, I think that Thalia is still good, but I, I know what you mean. Where it, you know, there, She's not backbreaking against any of the decks. And that would be the sort of thing that would need to happen to give you a reason to play a deck like this, I think. But... In mid-range world, especially now with a bunch of really cheap, really good removal, really good finishers, uh, you know, these are some of the best mid-range decks that we've seen in in Magic's history, I think. Just so efficient and, you know, cards like Fable of the Mirror Breaker just like tying everything together too. It's really hard to compete, uh, especially for a fair creature deck, even if they do have like a two-mana 3-2 flyer and a three-mana Crypt Breaker and stuff like that, you know, it's, it's just not enough. No, you're exactly right. And I remember actually when like Standard was kind of first beginning to go off the rails, like Fires of Invention era stuff, one of the cards that everyone always talked about was like, well, you know, you could make aggressive decks again if you brought Thalia back. And I never really bought that argument because I think given how powerful these threes and fours are, when you move them up to five, it doesn't matter. There was a moment where Thalia like would have been specifically good against growth spiral if you were on the play and that was like it would have made a huge difference in that spot but anywhere else it was always like "Mm, these cards are so good that like are is adding one really all that different you know when you double the cost of a card so in a format like say legacy where you're incentivized to play all of your one mana spells you have these really tight mana packages you're doing things like wasteland you just don't generally hit you know fifth land sixth land things like that Sure, Thalia is a extremely, extremely disruptive spell. Modern, basically the same thing. But as this scales, it, it's it's one of those weird cards that as you get to newer formats, I think it's actually less likely to be impactful just because of the nature yeah. of how things work and the value of a single mana being added on to a spell. I agree with that. The other thing is that, yes, you add a mana to their sweeper or whatever, but because you're playing a standard white base aggro deck, your clock is generally pretty lackluster. And then they just get to like six mana and play their burn down the house. And then they're fine. It's smooth sailing from there because you're not necessarily like threatening with creature lands or flash creatures or a counter spell or anything like that. It's just like, you're, you're kind of like all in on this Thalia and there are a lot of ways to get around that. Not even to mention that a lot of the time that they can just like bridge the gap by casting creatures. And a lot of these decks have, 
a lot of creatures in them still. Yes, so. which are also spells in most instances. So. Right, yeah. Uh, I mean, Blood Tithe Harvester is kind of like the funny one thinking about Thalia where it's like, oh, you can Thalia to like, you know, slow down the removal options or whatever. And it's like, eh, yeah, not really. It, it just like doesn't work out that way. So, I mean, I, I think the soldier cards are appealing. They read appealing. I think Thalia is a good card. I think the land is good but I'm not sure if it comes together to form like a coherent thing. And there's, there's like the Jota deck that made good use of Thalia and also did like double Thalia duty of getting all of their creatures out of sweeper range just by making them massive. And that's the type of thing that you need to capitalize on with Thalia in your deck is like slow them down and then put the game out of reach somehow. And reading what these soldier cards do it's all pretty like small ball type of stuff and i yeah. don't really see it happening so i don't know maybe maybe just the the joda stuff is good who knows yeah i could see that uh, other thing which i realized we did not talk about this morning and i want to bring up now is a card that you suggested in hostile negotiations which is 3b instant exile the top three cards of your library in a face down pile then exile the top three cards of your library in another face down pile Look at the cards in each pile, then turn a pile of your choice face up. An opponent chooses one of those piles. Put that pile into your hand and the other into your graveyard. You lose three life. This card says pile a lot. Yeah, Uh, a lot of piling. A lot of piling. Uh, Yeah, so, you know, top three and then the next three after that are a pile. You get to do some factor fiction-y weird mind game stuff. And is this sort of effect playable in standard right now? I think so. Three life is a lot, and I don't. I don't want to deny that. Uh, as standard exists presently, there is a lot of chip damage. These decks are all mid range decks, but they tend to pack some reach, so that three can mana matter. But there are also good life gain effects. A, a lot of like incidental life gain things you're not really trying to do for the purpose of gaining life, but a lot of stalemates will come down to very highly stabilized life totals, where three life maybe is somewhat negotiable. But for four mana at instant speed, this does an incredible amount. Because not only is it a draw three, which is, you know, not often what we get for four mana. Like if if this card was just, you know, pay four mana, draw three cards, pay three life, that that's good enough. I, I really do think that's good enough in a lot of spots. That's ambition's cost, although that's a sorcery. Yep. And it's difference. I uh, yeah. I, I like that card a lot, and it just never saw play. And obviously, circumstances are way different, right? But I don't know. Yeah. I, I think there's a good chance this is better, though, than that by a large margin. Because I think the so. thing that, it the is. Thing that it didn't is. immediately stand out to me was like those three cards which do not enter your hand, they go to the graveyard. And if you have any way to go ahead and take advantage of that, and there are ways in this set in present standard in this color, in in black, that are really well suited to take advantage of things going to the graveyard. You can also do the thing where, like, you show them the card that benefits from going to the graveyard, and they're kind of priced into giving you the other pile, or giving you that pile, so you don't get, like, the free graveyard ability of that thing. I think that's a really interesting mode of using this card, and I, I don't know. I think this is going to represent a virtual four in a lot of instances, and in some cases, you push it to five, and it's you know, one of the best card draw spells ever. And it's very easy to make it that given the way black plays presently and what black is capable of. So 
I'm I'm quite excited about this card. I do think it's like narrow in its application. I don't expect it to be like the thing that standard is about, but it it certainly seems powerful enough to make the cut in standard. It's powerful. It's a good tool to have. One thing that I'll note is that when trying to find breakers for mid-range mirrors, a lot of the time it does come down to card advantage. I think now mostly it's about board presence, but eventually that will distill down into to card advantage or just like whoever runs out of gas fastest and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I have really wanted cards like this to be good and be the answer. And ju- just the fact that it like hits you for three too makes it so much worse than a lot of the other options where, like you said, there's a lot of chip damage. There's a lot of like shield drids and underdogs and even graveyard trespasser. And I, I know that there, yeah, there are some lifelink things to like offset that a little bit, but I don't know. Th- think about like my experience playing Jund or whatever, where I moved away from like cruelty of Gix because it was killing me in a lot of instances and tried to add like more and more life gain to be able to like get through all of that nickel and diamond that they were doing to me, you know? So just like maybe things change to the point where you can worry about that a little bit less, I suppose. But yeah, I, well, I, I think there's a very good chance that if we actually did go through and do like the top 10 thing, Man, Phyrexian Flesh Gorger might have been my number one, and we'll talk more about that card later on. But I, I do think that sort of changes the equation here as far as what the black decks will look like, how often they are stabilizing at a slightly higher life total, how disposable their life is. And, you know, maybe maybe that doesn't come to fruition and I'm wrong, but if it does, this seems like a powerful backup to that card and a, a way to just like put your foot on the gas and never let up. Maybe there is, you know, if you want to go down the mono black route and whole paying life for drawing cards thing, there is a corrupt reprint also. If you, if you want to go to that top end. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing that worries me is like, well, now you can just get like burned out by a corrupt too. So I don't really want to pay three life doing a thing, but I, I don't know. Like corrupt is a, a little clunky, but is definitely a way to recoup a lot of that life loss. If you want mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I I should like these cards. You know, the factor fiction, sit back, draw cards, nonsense. And this one, I'm just like, ah, oh, I don't know. But the actual act of going through and casting the card and like reaping the rewards that that all sounds good to me. I just think that given context of the format, it's not going to work out. We're gonna have to see. We will see. Uh, anything else for weird cards? That was we mentioned how if we did this. Like as a pure top ten list, removal could very easily dominate. Lot of incredible removal in this set, like yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's. An, I mean, now I, I just meant the weird cards before we talk into the actual talk about the actual good cards, right? Like these uh, are the actual good cards. So. Yes, we we may talk about actual good cards now. Okay. Uh, yes, the removal in uh, the last three four sets has has all been pretty incredible, and I like seeing that change. There was a time when you could almost always trade up on mana with removal spells in standard. And I don't know, the creatures were all like wild mongrels that didn't really provide any card advantage or anything. And it was, it was pretty easy to just run over people with stuff like that. And then the creatures got better. They started drawing cards. The removal got worse. And 
they just went to like the polar opposites where the creatures were pretty good and the removal is really bad. And now we're in a world where the removal is good and the creatures are good. Everything's and, good. And I think that this is way more fun, man. I like this a lot more. I think I'd like everything to be slightly worse, but I do agree that if creatures are going to be as good as they presently are, the removal has to keep pace for sure. Uh, that's the only way you're going to get some diversity into the format and make things interesting. Otherwise it's just going to be uh, a mush of creatures, which I, I think is what we're suffering through right now, despite the removal being quite good. And a lot of that is on the back of like saga creatures are just adventure 2.0. <laughs> like that's, that's a big problem, but, but they're cheaper, you know, doesn't, it doesn't yeah, cost that, five mana for your bone crusher. Dragon I don't, I don't know if that's, that's a good <laughs> taste to make that things are any better. Yeah. That is that is problem one. The other problem is just like hmm. they they sort of like wanted to start making Bane Slayer Angels again, but to make a Bane Slayer Angel again, you have to go just completely off the charts, and that's what Shouldred is basically, where it it doesn't have that super immediate impact. I mean, it is a very fast impact, uh, but as soon as you start getting any impact, it's just preposterous how much you get out of it. And I think there are several cards like that. There's so many things with Ward lurking around where you don't get the trade up anymore. Rafine is obviously the largest one to come to mind and the most important one. So I support this change. I don't think it's going to yield exactly the results that we are looking for. I don't think it's going to stabilize things. I still think there's a general problem with creatures producing too much value, but is what it is. And if that's the world we're going to live in, I would rather have very efficient answers rather than the garbage we were forced to play with, where you just honestly, for a long period of time, like think back to, Simic decks where you essentially just either ignored removal or like you got to mass manipulation. And that was the type of removal you wanted to use where you just like snowball, 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 do the biggest thing possible. Don't interact. And it's, it's not quite that the removal is good enough where we put some in. It's just things still feel very snowbally and samey. Yes. I, I agree with that, but the removal spells are worth playing. And yes. they are interesting to build with and to play around and, you know, just try and figure out what your optimal configuration is week yep, in and week out. Yeah. And I like that stuff. Me but too. yeah, when your opponent's just like, all right, I'll play an underdog, then a fable. And you're just like, it doesn't even matter. Like, do I, do I point removal spells at these things or not? You know, I'm just going to lose. So that aspect is not great. So yeah, you can turn you can tune down the creatures a little bit. I'd be fine with that. Absolutely. But if my options are bad removal spell and those cards or actually getting to play, you know, flame bless bolt and lay down arms and obliterating bolts and whatnot, like I'll, I'll take the good removal spells, man. With you. Yeah. So uh lay down arms is is definitely one of them. Dub sorcery Exile target creature with mana value less than or equal to the number of planes you control. Its controller gains through life. Uh, this one is kind of weird and kind of one of those cards where it's going to perform better in modern, certainly, uh, both because of lower mana costs and being able to just fetch duels whenever you want and maybe even a little bit better in Pioneer. And then in Standard, you're kind of looking at playing at least mostly mono white, if not entirely mono white, to be able to keep up with and be able to destroy the bigger stuff that people play because I don't know in modern it's like someone's deck might cap out at like two mana right whereas in yeah. standard you're potentially going up to seven or whatever it's like good good luck matching them so 
I guess this does interact well with things like Ward. I'll, I'll say that, like where the the actual cost of interacting with the creature is baked into the creature itself rather than its CMC. So, I mean, again, thinking of Rafine, three planes is going to be a lot, and you pro- you probably do still have to be like very close to mono white. But yeah. uh, th- there's some of that where it's going to hit a little broader than you would expect, I think. But regardless, it's still going to make a fine sideboard card in a lot of spots where you have to deal with smaller things regularly. Yeah, I mean, if you have, you know, 14 to 16 planes in your deck, your white kind of mid-rangey splashing fable, let's say, you know, maybe you're doing the Invoke Justice, yep. Sanctuary Warden type of stuff or whatever. Yeah, wedding announcement. Yeah, and you you have some stuff like Ambitious Farmhand or Restoration of Igonjo. There's those are going to find you more basic planes. Then you're you're looking at like realistically maybe on turn four on the play you're going to be able to like kill a Rafine or something. And it's like that's that's not fun. that's not that bad. In yep. addition to maybe if you're on the draw you'll be able to kill it. And I mean also hopefully you probably have some other stuff too. There's still like the destroy evils of of the world and everything. So it's not like this is the only thing that you're leaning on. Right. But in terms of modern, it's kind of weird too, where there's March and Solitude and Prismatic Ending. But before those cards, this card would have looked pretty good in a world of just like Death Shadows and Tarmogoyfs, right? But yeah. I mean, that's also I'll, not really where we Oust are. saw play back in the day, and this is a much better Oust. So, yeah. So this would have been cool. Uh, but yeah, maybe it just falls short everywhere, man. I don't know. But we'll see, I guess. It's at least interesting. At least gives me, you know, pause, makes me think about it. And sometimes that's good enough. That's all I'm really looking for. I mean, that's that's all I want out of a magic set is for it to trick me. And yeah. give me something for my brain to think about where it's like, oh, this is an interesting puzzle. And maybe the new Seder Wayfinder, I, I hesitate to even call it that. But, you know, that the card that somewhat resembles my old friend Seder Wayfinder is enough of that where... I'll work on it for a couple of days. It'll give me good brain chemicals. And then I'll just forget that the card ever existed. Yeah. You're going to go to put that puzzle together and f- find out you were missing a piece in the box. When it oh all yeah. All of a sudden done. Yeah. Uh, another good option in this set for removal of brotherhoods and one RR sorcery. Choose one to steal three damage to each creature in each planeswalker or destroy all artifacts with mana value three or less. Very generous. And I know that, when I was building Judd Midrange, this was certainly an effect that I was looking for. And especially now with Meat Hook gone, right? Uh, you just yeah. don't have this sort of effect, uh, especially at like a low cost, a thing that kills some of the bigger creatures. And this also tags Planeswalkers, which makes it more of a reasonable main deck option. It goes after artifacts, which is just another like, all right, I mean, we're in an artifact set. Like this is probably going to be reasonably relevant so uh very generous on this card love it really nice sideboard option in older formats something like modern where you've seen oh yeah effects like anger of the gods and sweltering suns all see play but you know hitting that small base of artifacts that's a really big deal in that format there's a lot of decks that'll be very strong against so i I expect this to see a good amount of older format play as well and obliterating bolt one R sorcery. This deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker. If that creature or planeswalker would die this turn, exile it instead. This is just lava coil with upside, man. I played a lot of lava coil, uh, mostly in sideboards, but occasionally creeping up into main decks. And the main reason I didn't play it main deck more often was because it was dead against decks that 
were mostly playing without creatures. And those decks that didn't have creatures usually had Planeswalkers. Like this version of that card would have been awesome. Yeah, I, I think that this card is pretty great. And man, stuff like Lava Coil still sees some amount of Pioneer play too. So it this does. is an upgrade there. Yeah, huge upgrade. I, I'm, I'm fine with this card. I think there was room to make Lava Coil better, even though it was quite playable. And like we said, better removal is suited to these modern times and i'm i'm all for upgrading it and yeah man, I, I think that if if we want to do like a straight top end list like these are the cards that are most impactful or whatever a blittering bolt would be on there uh yep. lay, lay down arms honestly would probably not be but the anger of the gods probably would be even though it, it would just be a lot of sideboard play yeah i i really might be bigger on that card in older formats than i am in standard but it, it is probably good enough for standard as well uh, I don't know. It's close to me because it those cards do show up in older formats, I think, more consistently, but it's usually in smaller numbers, right? It's like you'll have two of them in your 75 or whatever, whereas right, standard, right. you're a little bit more likely to play the main deck and it might be as like a three or four of. Standard. Yeah, if the, if the sizing lines up, I would, I would say it doesn't right now in standard, but who knows what standard will ultimately end up looking like after the set, so. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely doesn't line up. You're right about that. And especially now with... Esper becoming more popular or being more popular. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to stick around or or whatever, but I don't know. Like I said, I, I was really looking for this sort of effect. It would have made the final version of my deck almost certainly. And there, there just wasn't one, you know, it was, yep. you, you have some like pretty mediocre four mana sweeper options. And then you have good options at five, like burn down the house and stuff. But at three mana, it was just a bunch of mopey infests and an anger of the gods. Like something that hit three toughness would have been nice. It's not going to kill Rafine or whatever, but I think you just need your spot removal to do that job. Yep. And then uh, also just have a lot of good reprints, disfigure and go for the throat, kind of rounding out the excellent removal cards for the set and have more things that you probably don't lock in four copies, but it's like, well, you know, this week I want like to go for the throats in only one infernal grasp or whatever. And I think that that stuff is great. Yeah. Getting that number right. Uh, I think is going to yield a huge edge for sure. Monastery Swiss spear fauna shaman got mm-hmm. some additional pain lands. I like all of these things. Yeah. I, I think I'm pretty excited for Swiss spear in general because the red aggro decks have seemed like they are close, but not quite there. And uh, Fauna Shaman, again, is just a thing that is going to waste my time, and I'm going to yep. love every second of it. Yep, I have played some truly heinous Fauna Shaman decks. Grim Poppet plus Necrotic Ooze uh, plus Devoted Druid, just just going off and maybe not even winning, but just, just doing my thing, having a grand old time. And uh, yeah, I, I will be very happy if Fauna Shaman is good. Its ceiling is extremely high. I am skeptical it ever gets there, and that's fine. It's 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 a fine tool to have some fun with, try and make work, and ultimately be disappointed by. That has mostly been my history of Fauna Shaman, yes. Mm-hmm. And the last reprint, opposite Bayloth, uh, downshifted, sadly, uh, but rightfully so, I think. Uh, the body is not as as impressive as it was a decade ago, but... You know, there, there are still Liliana the Veils in the format. Uh, she is not really crushing it 
like she was the first week of release or anything. And I think that that's correct, but it's still around, still shows up, could maybe show up more. The more, uh, I guess, you know, just like actual mono black becomes a thing. I think the more Mm -hmm. likely Liliana is to show up. And then it's nice to kind of have this sort of solution to it. Even if it, I don't know, just, just like still doesn't even do anything. It's like, oh, you know, before if, if you Liliana a Bailoth, you're just devastated, right? And now it's like, eh, whatever, I don't care, probably. But, you know, it's still there. It's a thing you can do. And then, again, looking at these mid-range decks, this was an effect that I was missing where if you wanted some life gain, you kind of had to go to five mana. And then at that point, you're still only getting three life from a Workshop War Chief. And when you want, like, a big beefy life gain thing. It's like, you want those numbers to be as high as possible. So obstinate bail off four mana gaining four would have been pretty nice. And I, I probably would have it like a copy or two somewhere. So not outside the realm of possibility. Another good card to have around good safety valve. I quite like this card existing when like there's a super aggressive deck, super aggressive mono red deck, this card being a sideboard option that sort of covers two bases is really appealing. So yeah, happy to see this. It's medium as heck now. I mean, it used to be a really, <laughs> really good card, but you know, sometimes you just need the right medium tool for the job and obstinate bailoff can be that. It can be. I think it's, it's good in swift spear or good in like a world where swift spear red decks are good. It is, it's mm-hmm. certainly not good when the red decks finishing thing is like Torbrand or Embercleave and they just like plow right through it. Right. And they go big. Yeah. You're looking yeah. for small ball red for this to really matter. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know, there is Swift Spear and they have obliterating bolt now to like kill your Bayloth. So we could do kind of like that song and dance again. I, I would be fine living in those times, living in that world. Yeah, it's fun. That's a fun game of magic. All right. That was the random stuff. So now I think we are on to our unofficial top 10 list. Well, it's the, it's the official top 10 list. It's just well, not particularly pointed at any real top 10 metrics. And it is also not suited. It's not sorted in a one through 10 matter. Correct. As far as I can tell, it's not sorted in any way, shape or form. Correct. And, That's generally how I do things. Okay. I, I am curious to know how, this list arrived like in this state, in this order, but pure we'll, madness. There's, we'll, yeah, there's we'll no save that for another time. Anyway, uh, top 10 list, but it's, it's like unofficial. Cause it's like, what, what are these, the top 10 cards of, I don't know of this podcast word. All right. Arcane proxy seven mana four, three artifact creature wizard. When this enters the battlefield, if you cast it, exile target instant or sorcery with mana value less than or equal to this thing's power from your graveyard, copy that card. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. Also has prototype, which is uh, you can cast the spell with different mana value, color, and size. It keeps its abilities and types, and it's 1UU for a 2-1. So 7 mana, 4-3, flashback up to 4 mana card, or 3 mana, 2-1, flashback, a 2 mana card. Up to a 2 mana card. There have been a lot of fake Snapcaster mages. They've yeah. all been pretty bad. Yeah. None of them have really hit. To, do you, think, to the to the point where I was, I'm, I've been burned. Yeah. Uh, and I, I had to like keep reading about this card and thinking about this card contextually before I was like, no, I, I think this is actually a good version of this. But like yep. I've said that before. I think this is it. I think I think this is the good one, and it's mostly because I think the play pattern of two drop removal spell into three drop 
arcane proxy kill your other thing have a two one sticking around that is also this thing that you know should i buy it back in some form in the late game via bouncing it to hand or some type of reanimation i I guess not like direct reanimation it has to be two hand reanimation because you have to cast it to go ahead and get the trigger but if, if you're able to at some point or just withdrawing a future copy hit that seven mana mode and you actually have four mana plays that are impactful. I think this card is just going to snowball games for you. Like things where you get a four, three super mole drifter that draws you two cards or maybe three cards in combination with, I'm don't, already don't going, say hostile, hostile negotiations. negotiations. Yeah. Hostile negotiations. We have all the you're, life. In you're, the world. Yeah. Fine. You're a negative seven, but all right, that's good. Yeah. That's probably a little tough, but there are certainly good four mana spells that you can look at playing, you know, yeah, dude, there's, there's, there's like world. big score, man. Big score. Yeah, big score is really good. Really, really good in these decks. And that is a fine, fine card to go ahead and play a second time. So yeah, great point. Big score is going to ramp you to that seven mana version as well. So maybe it is just that simple and you're very happy doing like red removal spell into this, into play your first big score and then use your next arcane proxy to play your second big score. And now you're just rolling from this point and have everything you need, have, you know, removal, counter magic, whatever it is you want to set up. Good to go. Plenty of mana. Sounds really appealing. And I think this is probably good enough for pioneer as well. It can maybe get some more degenerate things there. If you work a little bit harder and think about it a little bit more. So I want to explore that aspect, but in general, I, I just think this is good enough. Finally, we're going to get, a Snapcaster analog that is enough to see play in those two formats. I don't know about modern yet, but this this card could surprise me honestly. Like Yo. if you just if you just look at straight like two drop into this, you're often coming out ahead from the Snapcaster curve. You can't do that. So if there's a particularly strong two drop that you really want to play alongside this, maybe that's enough. I mean, this also just casts the Cascade cards. Okay, that's a great point. All right, <laughs> my my next couple of days are lined up. Uh, I'm gonna be, uh, you know, first looking at ancestral visions and uh, determining that to not be playable. But I'm gonna look at it, right? Yep. And then, ooh, I don't know. I don't know which one I want to do next. Rhinos? I got a I got a lot of foil rhinos in this binder Dude. over here. I need somebody Dude. to go ahead and make some four fours. Rhinos does not need the help. It is already a busted tier one modern deck. You know this. Our listeners know this. Everyone knows this. False. Uh, remember when that deck was supposed to be good? No. Nope. And then it just nothing. You know, it just like quietly died down and no one talked about it. Yeah. We just all forgot about it. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, anyway. Yeah. I, I do. I do like this card. I keep waiting for uh, their there to be some sort of like gotcha moment where I'm just like, Oh yeah, this card is, is not actually that good, but it, it does seem pretty good. And I actually, I think that this is a good use of prototype. I think that that is going to matter a pretty reasonable amount of the time. And uh, you're going to guess this thing for seven, you know, not, yep. not often, but like it is going to happen. It is going to yep. matter. And it's, it's going to matter what four mana spells you put in your deck too. So there's that aspect. And then I, I don't know if this is ever going to come up, uh, at least in like a normal standard game. Maybe I guess with like wedding announcement or something. But if you have some sort of anthem, then you can potentially like scale up the spells that you're casting, even with, you know, the prototype side of things. So yep. like, that's interesting, too. 
Yeah, I thought about wedding announcements. I mean, that's a that's a very real card that you're happy to play anyway. So I don't think you're like really doing anything. And then if you just have three mana spells you want to play, again, just real cards that you'd be playing anyway. I wouldn't try and like shoehorn a combo in, but where these cards are just completely fine, I could totally see Arcane Proxy casting them with a buff. Yeah, and I mean, maybe you play Wedding Announcement and Arcane Proxy in the same deck, and you're just like, uh, there's no three drop I want to play. And that's fine too. That's fine. Yep. Whatever. So yeah, cool card. The home that you would kind of expect it to go in doesn't necessarily exist. I think that Grixis is okay, but a lot of their spells are, I don't know, kind of like make disappears and stuff like that, that this thing doesn't really play all that well with. And Esper doesn't have a ton of them, but I think that people will figure it out and they'll be able to build around this card if they want to. It's the blue black card draw spell that has seen a bit of spot Painted play. indulgence. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's I love interesting that one. card. Mm-hmm. Oh, compare like painted indulgence to like the, the Seder Wayfinder, you know, just not Sad even, times. not even close. Not even close. All right. Uh, next up third path. Iconoclast. You are two, one creature, human muck. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create a one, one colorless soldier artifact creature token on its face does not read super powerful two mana only a two one no you know keyword rider or anything just making one ones but then it's like you think about like hero of precinct one and mm-hmm. how valuable that sort of effect was or i don't know just like young pyromancer or whatever right yep but i'm not sure how good that that stuff is anymore uh I think you need something to do with these bodies, but maybe just playing a thing like this and like trying to kill everything is viable enough. I guess the, the tokens are really good with make disappear. So that's a thing. They are. And I, I also think Sahili is like a pretty real card in this color combination. So like, yeah, the, I, I do too, especially with a thing like this. Yeah. This yeah, helps the, a lot. The third path iconoclast Sahili quasi control deck. I'm down for that. That seems quite exciting. The removal is good. You mentioned Make Disappear. I think that card is excellent in combination with this card. Do you really need much more than that? I mean, I, I think you have your win conditions. You you have the way you're stopping your opponent from doing their thing. It does feel like very 2012 <laughs> magic, honestly. Yeah. But Dude, And even then, that deck was not that good then. It was not. But these cards are good. Like I, I think Sahili is quite a bit better than like things you would try and use uh, in other scenarios, and maybe it, it is missing one piece of glue right now. But you know, a lot of my like what cards I want to talk about are going to be inspired by the cards that make me want to build decks. I want to build this deck. It's quite interesting to me. I think it's going to come up a little short, but there's enough cool synergies, enough cool play patterns that are reflected there. Where I'm, I'm in on third path iconoclast. I think it maybe even sees a little pioneer play as well. So uh, deserving of a spot on this list, in my opinion. Yeah, I wonder how much the uh, slightly prohibitive mana cost is, I guess. Whereas with things like Pyro and Hero. It's an easy splash. Yeah, well, it's a pretty easy splash. And it was like you could play those things and then start to develop, you know. Whereas this is like you kind of have to have everything rolled up. Yeah, especially if you're a three-color deck. But I think that the options that exist in blue and red are completely fine on their own. Mm-hmm. And maybe that actually just like moves us away from three color world and more towards two color world, which I'd that'd be, be cool. I, I would like an incentive to play two colors. Yeah. 
And I don't know, this could be it. It is, it's just like so weird where this was one of the last uh, like dumb cards and it's an uncommon. And I know that there are a lot of people excited about this card, but it looks like, I don't know, this is just one of the things that they like threw in there, like didn't expect to be good. Mm, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of careful planning as far as what cards get result, get review, get revealed in preview season. I think it's just like give a bunch of content creators cards and that's it. Yeah. But not if they say bad things about wizards. I don't know if you're like <laughs> talking about us or whatever, but it's like, I don't know, man, the last time they offered us a preview card, I turned them down. So no, I'm, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about us. I'm just talking about people in general. Word. Well, anyway, you should not be working for free. You should not be doing their advertising for them and not getting paid content creators out there. Truth. But, uh, at least, at least ask for a preview. I mean, come on. They can't send you a preview card. What do you they mean? can't send you a, just a nice copy of this card. Send out a foil copy of the card you're reviewing. A oh, nice yeah. Hand, yeah, yeah. handwritten note. And, uh, you know, I'm not talking about any other games specifically that do that. But I, I bet there's some out there who you get a nice uh, thank you and handwritten note and a copy of your card and all that good stuff. So. Yeah, literal anything. Not like I'm doing you a favor by letting you have a preview card. And also you must thank us in, in your tweet or whatever. Yes. And also put hashtag ad in there. Uh, yeah, which makes it very clear that you are doing work for a company and you're still not getting paid. Anyway, uh, number number three, the third card. Again, these numbers have no real value assigned to them whatsoever. But the third card we're talking about, Blade Coil Serpent, X6. This is a weird yes. mana cost. 5-4, uh, Artifact Creature Serpent. When this enters the battlefield for each UU spent to cast a draw card. When this enters the battlefield for each BB spent to cast it, each opponent discards a card. When this enters the battlefield for each RR spent to cast it, it gets plus one plus zero and gains trample and haste until end of turn. I think I'm, I'm coming around on this one. I was initially just like, uh, it's like, you know, clunky and vulnerable to a lot of stuff. Just like, them going under you, them having a random make disappear leftover or whatever, the game's being like a little bit fast and it not catching you back up or whatever. But it's just it does a lot of stuff. So I think that you should hopefully be able to maneuver games in such a way where you're just buying time until you get to try and drop this thing with whatever modes you want and some stuff will probably happen. And that's Probably good enough for six. And then, I mean, it also scales. So yep. if you want to do that. It's really hard to think of any combination of these three effects that doesn't swing the game dramatically in your favor. That's that's what ultimately sells me on this card. And, you know, whether it's split 1-1-1 one, 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 and you get a 6-4 uh, trample haste that forces your opponent to discard a card and you draw a card, or whether you're playing Super Moldrifter again and paying six blue and getting a 5-4 and drawing three cards, or... You're mind twisting your opponent in mono black. All of those modes are interesting to me. They all have flaws. Like like you mentioned, this is just like a very, I would say, somewhat predictable, somewhat shoehorned in card in a world where modality is everywhere. And this card really can't matter until late. That's just that's just what it is. It it does what it does. Uh, but it's a great finisher. It's a diverse finisher. It can come and play through a lot of different scenarios, which is why I really like it. I think it's going to steal a bunch of games. I think it's going to recover you in a bunch of games. And, you know, I don't think you're going to see four copies of this jammed in. I think, like, existing Grixis decks can play a copy on the top end and be pretty happy about it. I was going to say, it's going to be, like, the quintessential fun of. Yep. 
But I do think its impact is going to justify that inclusion. And given how long those games go, how deep into the deck you'll often go, and the fact that there is like some treasure-based acceleration where sometimes maybe this will just come down ahead of curve and actually just run away with the game, big maybe score, that pushes big up. Big score. Big yeah, score. I mean, these are really good options, and I could see that pushing this to like an actual deck that is built around it. And maybe it is just like, you know, that's what's so cool about this card is it slots in all those decks. This theoretical blue-red spells, big big score-ish thing. That seems like a good home for that. You don't need access to black, right? Like, you're very happy with this. Just, like, draw two cards, get a 6-4 trample haste. That's incredible in a lot of scenarios. And, and maybe you can get more than that if the game goes long enough. So you're asking a lot to kind of supplant that Hullbreaker horror-type space that is already occupied at the top end. But six is a lot less than seven. and that means a lot. And it has immediate impact. Whereas Hullbreaker, I mean, the format is certainly a lot faster than it was last season. Mm-hmm. And Hullbreaker has a thing where like, yeah, it comes down and it's really big, but there's a lot of removal that just kills it immediately. And then, Yeah, you kind of need it to come down on eight, on eight more than seven. Yeah, and, and then it's kind of lights out if you play it expecting to eat a creature in combat or something and then they, they just kill it and you take 10 damage and you know there's no recourse you have no way to come back so it's also funny to me how big score was kind of the villain and now that it's really bad i'm just rooting for it to work with just a bunch of nonsense you know i'm just like yeah big score out like some crappy serpents or whatever like who cares like let's do it yeah i'm I'm not sure it was ever bad. The format is just weird, honestly. No, I know. But, I mean, there's no Outrun's Epiphany. Like, even if it's right. Holebreaker Horror and Holebreaker Horror is good, I, I wouldn't blame the big score. I would, I would blame the big score for the Epiphany stuff, though. Yeah. No, that's fair. Again, the modality of all these cards is is helping out a lot as far as big scores, chances of seeing play. Dude, next card on the list, I didn't even realize was on your list because I didn't know all the card names yet. But I am stoked. All right. Oh, hell yeah. We, we've done this one before. This one's oh, easy to include. Oh, yeah. Citadel Stalwart. G11 creature. Elf Druid Soldier. Ooh, Soldier. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, tap and tap an untapped artifact or creature you control. Add one mana of any color. You remember the Ari Lax tweet? Yep. Friends. Don't let friends play Lone Dryad or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the, the most important card in that last standard format. I remember that. And. Yeah, it is it is a garbage card. I don't care. It's, it's how you do this thing. <laughs> it, it is absolutely garbage. And not to dunk on Ari because I think he in, was not alone in that opinion. I no, promise. no, I promise. of course not. But like also for Ari specifically, I think in general he is one of the most like on point people for for card evaluation. You know, mm-hmm. and, yeah, that's fair. And I, like he he's not wrong. Like the card does suck, but also there's a lot of context that goes into all of these things. And there are certain things that I am good at seeing where in the context of Lone, so Lone Dryad was the original one, right? What was the last yes. one? Yes, uh, I'm already, it had reach, it was an O2, I believe, uh, which was actually- No, it was, it was a 1-2. It was one a two one two. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Which was very important, by the way, like that reach did matter a bunch. Yeah. Uh, anyway, th- that version of it, I was able to see like this this is like actually huge because there there's like not a whole lot to do on one and there's not a lot of mana acceleration or mana fixing. This thing works well with Magda's, et cetera, et cetera. It's like I'm not a lone dryad fan, you know? I'm not a lone dryad truther, but like there's a lot of stuff going to make that card potentially good. 
because it did something that literally no other card in the format could do, right? Yep. So when you're comparing the Lone Dryads of the world to things like Land Over Elves, it's like, get out of here. Like, come on, you know? Obviously, one of those is better than the other, but we don't have those options, right? And in the case of Citadel Stalwart, well, I mean, I guess this thing has like elf and soldier creature types, so maybe that's a thing. It is slightly smaller this time, but whatever. Most of the time, you're just tapping it for mana. But tapping on tap artifact also, I mean, mm-hmm. if, if there are like some power stones running around and like we were doing stuff with Moonsnare prototype yep. and it was not that hard to find a treasure or a blood or a clue, like, you know, whatever. So that's nice too. Yeah. The, the clue interaction in particular, I think is quite good. Uh, and there are some clues still floating around the format. So yeah, this card is garbage, but it's good enough to see play. That's, yes! that's really what matters. Yes, exactly. Man, I wonder... Like, this is the type of thing that would sort of be good in the Jota deck because it it fixes and, like, potentially ramps you and everything, but it doesn't do any of the stuff that it wants you to be doing, too. So I, I don't know mm-hmm. if it actually fits there. It's also not a human, so it's probably very hard to cast on turn one. Yep, and that is uh, one of the reasons I don't have, like, an immediate home for this card to go in. But again, I don't really care. It's it's all about what it's capable of, and no other card is capable of this. Except, like, Moonsnare Prototype, which, again, is, like, still a card that is worth keeping track of because it can do that thing. And format has very much been about not that. Probably will continue to be about not that, but it does seem like Sentinel Stalwart has a very real chance of seeing play. There was a card in the set where I brought up the fact that there was an elf lord. What card was that? It's like Gwenna is an elf that makes a mana. There's the Dryad Arbor Expel. I don't know. Maybe it was even like the last set. But regardless, like this is another card where I'm like, well, there's that elf lord. Uh, what other elves are we working with? I don't know. Fauna Shaman. Everyone's favorite elf. My favorite elf. Yeah. No, that one's, that one's good too. Was, was Fauna Shaman the card that made me do that? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, mysteries. Whatever. Uh, Citadel Stalwart. I, I don't think it's immediately uh, obvious or as obvious as the last one that like, oh, this is going to have a spot and it's going to see play. But the a lot of the same stuff is still true where not a whole lot of the format can do the things that this thing can do. So it is worth keeping an eye on, worth potentially building around. Yeah, we don't, we don't have our Magda yet. But if we find one, this card will be very good. Dude, it's so funny how much stuff that sort of deck got too because then it was like well here are some chariots and here are some showdowns and like it just like never stopped getting good stuff yeah pretty incredible list by the time all was said and done yeah it was it was all just sitting on top of each other in like the three four and five meta slots though too but if it just got like another yeah your your best draws were incredible yeah all right number five Razor Lash Transmogrifier. Is this my Scrappy? Yep. Yeah, this is our new Scrap Heap Scrounger. Uh, I, w- I don't even think this would have made my top 10, at least if we're talking just in the context of standard. But uh, Razor Lash Transmogrant. I'm, I'm Transmogrant? To- that's not a real word. Uh, it's not, but that's what's on the card. <sighs> Listen, this is, this is for the show notes. I don't like the show notes to be inaccurate. All right. I'm changing that right now. All right. Uh, two mana, three, one artifact creature zombie. This thing can't block Four BB return this from your graveyard to the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it. This ability costs four less to activate if an opponent controls four or more non-basic lands. 
that text that obviously it's really good in some matchups. It just comes back for basically nothing. But I don't know. I feel like we're maybe going to move away from that a little bit in standard. And also, I don't think so. I don't think, I think, I think for the vast majority uh, of the format, it's still going to trigger. I said a little bit, but also, like, what if there was a scrap heap scrounger where in 25% of the matchups, it just didn't work? Oh, uh, that makes it worse. Yeah. For sure. That makes it worse. Um, yeah. Granted, I think a lot of the, the matchups where you do want it because they have a bunch of removal are probably the three color piles, but there, there's still going to be, you know, is it type of stuff and whatever. But yeah, also, I, I don't know, man. I, I just don't think that a lot of the decks are really looking for a scrappy. You'd rather have, you know, the underdog or the shade, maybe even the knight that stops life gain. I, I think that this card is good. It's just lower on the list. Like we have such good options. We do, and maybe this is just a sideboard option because of that. Maybe it's just like a plan for when you need to hard transition into a quasi-beatdown deck. Like something like Mono Black making the move to, oh, all of a sudden I am aggro and then I'm just going to look to burn you out. That seems pretty reasonable, especially, again, with the next card we're going to talk about, Phyrexian Flesh Gorger. I think that sort of changed the equation a little bit. And these decks are going to be able to get more aggressive, have more reach, be more problematic to just kind of turtle up against, try and lean on those very powerful removal spells. I think Flesh Gorge is going to make that tough, and I could see Transmogrant being part of the si- either the sideboard package that really emphasizes that, or even a main deck thing. That's going to depend a lot on format shape, uh, how willing people are to actually respect this card, how long games are going to go. I think that's another big part of the equation. Are you going to be able to go ahead and just kind of like grind your opponent to dust on the back of this card or do games end before it matters? All good questions. Yes. This would be lower on my top 10 list if we were doing like a traditional one through 10 for sure. But it seems like it opens up too many angles to ignore. That's fair. I, I do like this effect. I am just not as sold on it. And regardless, I think given the other options we have, if it does see play, it's going to be in small numbers. Okay. Like it'll be, it'll be like a two of or something. You know what I mean? Uh, but more controlling decks siding into a bunch of these, that sounds yeah. reasonable to me. No, too. I really like that plan. All right. Phyrexian Flesh Gorger, 7 mana, 7, 5. Artifact Creature, Phyrexian Worm, Menace, Lifelink, Ward, Pay Life equal to this thing's power. That's it. No other text. Really powerful card with <laughs> very few words on it. And uh, uh, Mythic Rare, oddly. Uh, but yeah, also has prototype for 1 BB as a 3-3, which I, I guess that'll probably be the mode you'll be playing it in. I think you're going to play it in every mode. I, th- I think that's really the appeal of it. It's going to be your finisher. It's going to be your mid game. It's going to get you to the late game where you play multiple modes. I think you are going to play four copies of this card. And I do think the more I think about it, the more I would have had this as my number one card in the set. I just think like there's no good way to interact with this card if it stays out there on the battlefield. I mean, certainly it can get bogged down, right? You can get to a point where you have two big enough blockers and there are big bodies. You know, if you go like Rafine Shouldred, this card really doesn't matter all that much anymore. But it's it's keeping it's keeping them home. This, which, this card's good with your own Rafine, if that matters. Th- sure. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And I hard to cast, matter. but yeah, hard to cast ish for sure. But a lot of those decks are slanting towards black, so uh, I think you can make it work if you want to. And I do think this card is good enough to make it work. It's quite exciting, though, in just like the pure mono black setups where you're just going to slam this on three all the time. And like your opponent's best case scenario there is they just get 
lightning bolted in the face. And where your deck has a bunch of reach, it's going to matter a lot. And then what do they do when the seven mana one comes down? Because that's kind of how these games play out. They they don't tend to end really early, although I think Flesh Gorger could make them end earlier than they have been ending. But when you hit that seven mana point and there's no way to answer this on a one for one basis except taking seven to the face the games are just going to be locked like this is this is just going to win a lot of games very easily uh first of all how do you even kill this you know like uh, that's a good point there are some ways to do it right like infernal grasp uh again pretty painful yeah you take nine (laughs) yeah but you know five toughness is already kind of hard like this is an artifact that opens up some avenues. Uh, Jund has some good options. I like mm-hmm. I like Riveteer's Charm. Uh, Unleash the Inferno is fine, I guess, against a seven mana version of this. But yeah, I don't know. Like I, Liliana does it, you know, which is good. But I guess here's the thing, though. Here's what I got to ask you. I do think this card is better, but we poo pooed on uh, Graveyard Trespasser a lot. Yep. Yep. Right? And these cards are, are are very different, but they're pretty similar. Like basically, my problem with Trespasser is that it was a three mana three three that maybe drained them for one, and the ward was fine, but not great. And also they could mostly just ignore it. So it's kind of like the ward didn't really matter. Yeah. How much different do you think that these cards are? Like, I think I think you can build in such a way that the ward matters much more. Like, there are, yeah. there's so much raw material in the standard format right now that discarding a card just is so much less likely to be impactful than actually going after the life total. Should you again build around? Like, you have to commit to that idea of I'm going to pressure your life total, and that doesn't mean you have to be an aggro deck, but you're looking for that incidental reach that these decks are quite good at finding, frankly. Um, and with these persistent threats, it's really, really hard to run them out of gas. The the secretly maybe best keyword in the game, lifelink, you're just winning all those races now when you're attacking with this thing and they have to have two blockers and you're in black, the color of removal, where you're really good at keeping them from having two blockers. So like, you know, you're representing removal spell. Are they now leaving three blockers back? Have they slowed down their pace that dramatically? How because do, how do they possibly have three blockers? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, when you're when you're facing black removal and like, but they kind of have to because otherwise you're looking at a six life swing every time this hits, and that's that's nothing to scoff at, especially at a three mana cost. You know, the the math kind of checks out a little bit, like like Shouldred does in a lot of cases, quite frankly. But at a lower cost, and then you just have this ultra mode where I don't know what you're supposed to do when giant flesh gorger comes down. I think certainly there are answers. I do think that the format can shape around this card and maybe will have to shape around this card, but that's the hallmark of a really good card. If it demands you build in a particular way, then it's earned its spot as, you know, maybe the best card in this set. And I I'm just a buyer. I I think it's good. I don't know what this card is selling for. I would never say buy a card because I don't think prices are actually based on like, is this a good standard card? But I do think this is a good standard card. And you should be hoping that it's the one you open in your arena packs when you go ahead and buy your 50-pack bundle. You want to hit a lot of these, I think. That's probably true. Yeah, I think the the big difference to me is the fact that you mostly could ignore Trespasser if you didn't have the resources or or whatever. You know, it's like mostly a 3-3. Three, three and yeah, a lot of the is, stuff... This is double the swing. Yeah, a, a lot of stuff that you were doing incidentally could potentially like brick wall that body, but this thing having 
menace, it having lifelink, which means that in a lot of instances, you you don't want to be ignoring this. I, I think that that stuff goes a long way, even if the ward is not necessarily more like card advantage or whatever. Like you said, I think it does play in your game plans more. When I was talking about the burn burnout stuff earlier, Invoke Despair is like another big part of that package. Yep. And the, the first Invoke almost certainly doesn't kill you, but the second one probably does. And yeah. if it doesn't, at the very least, it's drawing them enough cards to have enough resources to play this out for seven mana. And then if you're playing three or four invokes in your mono black deck, you're probably playing like a Celestis and maybe a higher land count. So getting into seven for this is a lot more reasonable. Sure. Uh, clearing the way with things like duress has certainly mattered, been back and forth on main deck duress. So that's another option you can go. So, uh, yeah, I, I like this card a lot. I think that it's... I'm, I'm way happier to put this in my deck than Trespasser, for sure. Um, oh, yeah. That's maybe maybe less true for Pioneer, where you know the, the graveyard interaction matters a little bit more than sure. just random lifelink and... I don't know. But yeah, way, way different format and everything. But in, in terms of standard, this adds to an already like pretty robust bunch of incidental lava spikes i guess to to help you kill your opponents and the lifelink yeah. is just always welcome man it's it's so good i mean for as for as much as you incidentally burning them out is something that they should fear it's like now you have a way to kind of like insulate yourself in those pseudo mirror situations that's good too yeah and this is this is a stupid argument to make quite frankly because you can literally make this about any card that's ever existed but like this card is quite good with Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Like you just do that, <laughs> you do that thing. You ramp up to seven really well. Like I think I think the black black red version of a deck built around Phyrexian Flesh Gorger also looks quite appealing. Where you're doing like Blood Tithe Harvester into this, probably still heavy black focus into Shouldred. This is competing with Fable at three drop spot and actually probably like. You're favoring Fable in that spot because then you have the option to, if your Fable succeeds, maybe you just go ahead and go up to seven and play the big Flesh Gorger. So, again, stupid to say a card is good with Fable, but this card's good with Fable. Everything is, yep. in case you didn't know. That is true. I don't know. Also, the cool thing about the prototype stuff is that in some of the instances, you would turn to something like Cruelty of Gix to have a little bit more of uh, a robust card for the grindy mid-range mirrors. And it's just like, oh man, like all my stuff to reanimate is like pretty small. And well, mm -hmm. like the prototype things are just like huge too. Great so, point. Great yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, they don't mess up your curve. Like jamming a bunch of Titan of Industries into your deck does, uh, but you just incidentally get some huge stuff in case they do die. Or like you mentioned, you want to, you know, sift this away to fable to set up cruelty on five or whatever. You could do that too. Yeah, man, you just start thinking of that curve, like under, like duress, underdog, this, shouldered, cruelty. Like you just move up the curve with nothing but bangers, and you you present a real problem for any deck. Man, I used to love the Jun curves, you know, yep. like the old school oh, modern Jun curves, and they're just like such a joke compared to this stuff. Yeah, they they really are something like putrid leech into sprouting thranax into well, no, blood, not 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 the standard ones, man. The standard ones, I never felt good about those. But I, oh, I play a lot of John very happily. I I begrudgingly took it to maybe a couple PTQs towards the end of the season. I distinctly remember one where I just 
very, very easily made top eight. And I was just like, man, I could have been doing this the whole time. Yes, you could I am, have. I am not very smart, you know. Instead, I was trying to spreading these people. And I mean, I was successfully in some cases. So that was cool. I had a lot of fun. But man, that that John PTQ was was pretty easy. And I was just like, I just had, you know, embarrassment of riches at the end of every game, right? Gerald, I went to my first ever GP. The first game I played, I cascaded with my blood braid elf and I put my entire hand on the bottom of my library. So I was so, I just didn't know what to do with it. I had almost <laughs> never touched real cards before. And I went on to qualify for the pro tour at that GP. So that tells you how busted that deck was. Yeah. I literally could not hold my cards and I was still good enough to go ahead and, and get on the PT. So I know that I, God, I still want to do this, man. I, I know that I said this a while ago that I want to do like a kind of like a how to shuffle video or whatever. Yeah. And you, I don't want to say you were a prime candidate, but you were like a candidate for like, for sure, for you know reasons why I wanted to do this thing where just some, some people's mechanics are not super clean and that's not to be disparaging or anything. I mean, if, if you haven't, just like shuffle the deck for 20 years nonstop, then I, I get it. You know, there's, there's no reason why your mechanic should be or whatever, but a lot of it too is just like a, a lot of people don't think about it or they don't have good resources for like how to, to do it like crisply and cleanly or whatever. Anyway, one of the things that I do want to talk about is when you're like searching your library is to just move your hand off to the side so that, there's so you don't put it on the bottom of your deck? Well, yeah. And I mean, if you're like fetching a land, for example, and you're going through your deck or even when you're shuffling your deck afterwards, sometimes like a card flips off your deck and then it like lands on top of your hand, like that potentially looks sketchy, right? And mm -hmm. if, if you want to have like a 20 year long career playing card games and never get accused of cheating or whatever, become unimpeachable, right? Just make it so stuff that looks shady never happens because then people can't tell stories about it. And if you do stuff like move your hand off to the side, that makes sure that you never quote unquote accidentally drop a card on top of your hand. And then there is some question as to the legitimacy, legitimacy of your wins, right? So great idea. Def, I, I totally agree. It's something worth managing. Yeah. Um, and, and then, yeah, you never cascade your hand on the bottom of your deck either. So bonus. Right. Right, big bonus. <laughs> hey, do you want do you want to cut my hand <laughs> before I put it on the bottom? The, the the dawning on my face. I'm just like looking around, like where could it possibly be? Did I drop it on the ground? Like, oh yeah. Oh, I know where it is now. Yeah, yeah, that was special. Look, I'm I'm having a great time here, Gerald. We have been doing this for an hour and twenty minutes though, and you were concerned about the longevity of your battery as we went to record this. How are we looking? Are we going to be able to get through these last four cards on our list? Do we have to speed run them? What's, what's going on over there? When, when we were like 30 minutes in, I checked and it had gone up in time. At that point, it was like, no, we got two hours. So it, it's saying okay. it's saying that I have 60 minutes left. Okay. Four cards left. I think we'll get through them. Uh, some of them have a little bit less to say about. So let's <laughs> let's move on. Flesh Gorge are great. Yeah, Flesh Gorge are great. Uh, Teferi Temporal Pilgrim has a lot of words, though. This might this might take as well. 3UU, sure. Legendary Planeswalker Teferi, 4 starting loyalty. Whenever you draw a card, put a loyalty counter on this. 0, draw a card. Minus 2, create a 2-2 two, two blue spirit creature token with Vigilance. And whenever you draw a card, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on this creature. Minus 12, target opponent chooses a permanent they control and returns it to its owner's hand. Then they shuffle each non-land permanent they control into its owner's library like, like they just cascaded, you know? Yeah, dangerous. We talked about this card before. Yeah. What I, what I still think people are not quite grasping about this Teferi is 
how fast it's going to close games. It's just going to end games like like that. You're just going to be playing along. Control will be rested, maybe off to Fairy's back, and it just drawing a card and slowly increasing its loyalty and being problematic to kill. And then when this deck turns the corner, it's going to use that minus ability to close the game in three turns, approximately. And the game's just going to wrap, and you're going to wonder what happened. And that's a really nice feature for a control deck to have. I wonder if there is even ways to like use this in tempo shells where you just like hold pace and then this comes down and it is so, so impactful in terms of the sizing it can add to the battlefield. Maybe that's interesting as well. But on the whole, I think this is a control tool. I think it's a really strong finisher in control because if you draw it and you're far ahead, you're going to shut the window. If you draw it and you're behind, you have some good options. You demand respect from your opponent. And if you're at parity, you're probably going to break parity pretty quickly with this card. So all around uh, does everything you want a control planeswalker to do. Yeah, and I kind of like it in mid-range, and I definitely like it as a potential top end in Iconoclast, Sahili type of stuff. Like maybe you play yeah, one maybe main. Maybe a sideboard and, option there, but yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe you play one main, another in the sideboard, or you just play a couple in the sideboard or something. This is a nice way to you know, go bigger, get a little punchier in sideboard games and everything. The... Spirit works pretty well with Rafine for whatever that matters. I mean, that deck already has some five drops and like AO and and whatnot. So this is this can compete. I think this is in the same vein. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. So this is this is definitely in the realm of possibilities for a lot of different archetypes. And then yeah, like you mentioned, control, which we've seen a little bit of, but they they've all looked very different, right? Like no one has really been able to hone in on what the optimal shell looks like or anything. I guess it's like kind of good and bad. It means that the deck never really picks up a ton of popularity, but at the same time, it means that Teferi could show up in a lot of decks that look very different. So mm-hmm. this is one of those cards that I think is pretty powerful in a different standard format would have been incredible, but uh, this one is a little bit higher power level, a little bit faster, and is probably just going to show up in like smaller numbers. Yep. So I like it a lot. It's powerful, but I don't think is just going to like blow the format off the hinges or anything. So maybe it would have been a little bit lower on my top 10 list, but I think it was a lock for the top 10. I think so. Yeah, like seven or eight slot for me, probably about where it falls, but definitely good enough to earn a spot. Yeah, top spots would have just been like big creature is big or whatever. Right. I mean, this next creature is big, but this is not. Very one. big. Not the one I was talking about. Clay Champion, X4. 2-2, Artifact Creature Construct, when this enters the battlefield, or sorry, this enters the battlefield with three plus one plus one counters on it for each GG spent to cast it. When this enters the battlefield, choose up to two uh, other target creatures you control for each white-white spent to cast this, put a plus one plus one counter on each of them. So in mono green, uh, four mana, eight, eight. That is large. I think that's single-handedly big enough to make me believe that that archetype can exist again, uh, especially alongside Audacity. Audacity is green enchantment aura enchant creature enchanted creature gets plus two row and has trample when audacity is put into a graveyard from the battlefield draw draw card dude i like that card uh draw card hold hold on it actually says draw card the a is missing really yeah there was uh another weird typo i picked up on today i don't think it was a magic related one i think it was something else but that's interesting. I, I can't judge our our latest flesh and blood set came out with a typo, so oh. it, it's it's tough. Draw, I get it. Draw a card, really? It it didn't say draw a card, but uh, yeah. No, no, no I'm, we'll just, I'm looking. We'll out there. I'm looking for audacity now. It's also oh, did, you, did you find it? I'm scrolling. I thought I was crazy for a second. Oh no! Yeah, it just it just says draw a card. 
at least the image that is coming up on Mythic Spoiler. It just says draw card. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the one on Scryfall. Okay. So maybe that's not correct. And ultimately impacts, it'll say draw a card. We will see. Whatever. That doesn't matter. This is a big, dumb green creature. It is big enough and dumb enough to make me believe you can go ahead and do uh, like a, a mono green archetype and find some success with it. There's a few other things that play to that idea. Uh, okay. Okay. I, I don't know that I see like the slam dunk setup for it. So it may take some time where we actually have to wait a couple sets. Something like uh, Root Wire Amalgam, really nice curve filler there, can certainly be the basis of starting to get towards mono green. Maybe we're doing something with Simeon Simulacrum to fill out the curve. I, I don't know exactly where it's going to fall, but there's there's some options. And I do think they're worth exploring because this card is just freaking huge. It's big. I like Audacity too, a decent amount. I, th I think that those sort of things are pretty underrated, especially when they're uh, either like super efficient or card neutral and Audacity is kind of both. And I guess there's also like the Enchantress deck or Enchantments yeah. down deck kind of thing where it's like that card is really nice there. There's just a lot of like end game states you can play to with this stuff like the ability on Rootwire Amalgam where you make a 15 power creature and just like wait until your opponent has shields down, save six mana, have an audacity in hand, 17 power trample, and the game's over. I don't really know what you're doing in that scenario should your opponent ever go ahead and put shields down. So uh, I think 10 power trample alongside the clay champion also going to be equally as impactful. So it seems like a pretty key piece of doing this stuff. There's weirdo, like uh, there's, there's a common fight spell that like is also uh, lay of the land where you can go get a forest yeah. in case you're trying to get bigger. I, I actually think that could be a fine card for this archetype. Like it's not something you are really thrilled about, but modality on that effect is really good. You're going to curve out really consistently, especially when we're talking about like trying to go four drop into five drop in these scenarios, you are going to have to hit those early land drops. And I think having this split removal spell always hit your next forest. Pretty cool. Could be important. Yeah. I like that card well enough. Teething Wormlet combines with all these cards well as well. Like that's the one uh, green Teething Wormlet has death touch. As long as you control three or more artifacts, when an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you gain one life. If it's the first time this ability has resolved this turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on Teething Wormlet. If we're going just Clay Champion into Rootroy or Amalgam into Simeon Simulacrum, our deck's all artifacts. And you're, you're pretty happy to just have that be your one drop and it hit three, four power. Yeah, and then at that point, you're playing a bunch of artifacts. Maybe you start looking at some of the Power Stone stuff and then, you know, casting the big versions of some of these things too. Maybe. Yeah, maybe you're just like mid-range green. It, it's going to be an interesting deck to suss out, and I, I think it could be quite powerful. Skyfisher Spider, 2BG, 3-3, three, three, Creature Spider, Reach. When the center is the battlefield, you may sacrifice another creature, hopefully a Seder Wayfinder. When you do, destroy target online permanent. Uh, when this dies, you may gain one life for each creature card in your graveyard. If you do, exile this from your graveyard. Talked about this a little bit last week. Thoughts are mostly still the same. I think that this is above rate for what we normally get for stuff like yes. this. Uh, the yes. fact that it kills anything on land is pretty generous. The body's decent. We have a bunch of sacrifice fodder. Uh, I, I still don't think that... It could be more aggressively costed compared to the rest of the stuff, I guess. But when you're doing synergy-based stuff, that's not necessarily what you're looking for. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that this is good if you have the right sort of shell, but might not hit. Every part of this card 
does more than I would expect it to do, given it being a black green uncommon. It's just like slightly better at each point of the text box. And I believe that is enough to make this playable. Should you have the right kind of setup? It's probably out there. I don't know. I mean, I, I hope that this sort of thing is what you want to be doing because that's the kind of magic I want to play. But yep. I would also not be surprised if it turns out that, you know, Seder Wayfinder is just missing a, a number somewhere and like this is missing a number somewhere and all of that adds up to where uh, you're just getting your ass kicked by Clay Champions or whatever. Who knows? Maybe. I mean, maybe you know, you want to combine this with more of those recursive threats out of black tenacious underdog or scrap heap scrounger. Maybe that's what you're supposed to do. I don't know. Uh, I want to explore this card a bit. Yeah. That's kind of appealing, I suppose, but I don't know. I, I just want to be attacking with those things, you know, It'd be nice. Yeah. But I guess I'll trade my three, one for your shield grid or whatever. And that's fine. Okay. This is kind of the weird part of the show where normally we end on like a, a high note or whatever, but since this wasn't in any particular order, we just end on. A yeah, weird we're, note. we're gonna bring it way down for this. <laughs> and finally, our numbered thirteen card of the set or whatever, uh, Haywire Might, uh, one mana artifact, one one artifact creature insect. When this dies, you gain two life. G sacrifice this exile target non-creature artifact or non-creature enchantment. This card is good, but it's just it's not like oh we close the show with this card, you know. Yeah, maybe we could have ordered this a little better, but yeah, this fits into that like aforementioned mono green deck. If there are important non-creature artifacts and non-creature enchantments running around, I think there absolutely are one hundred percent. The little bit of life gain is going to be nice. Uh, where we've talked about life gain being pretty important throughout this format, it is. That's, I mean, I guess searchable with Urza's Saga, if that's something you want to do. Oh, dude, uh, which that's, not, that's actually might. good. That's legit yeah. good. Yeah, you might you might find find homes for that. So, yo, and then uh, you, and dude, you can kill their saga with it. You can. Boom. You can. Not only can you kill it, you can exile it. Oh, again, yeah. like generous, just a generous, generous. Like we've played. What is it? Giant? Not giant caterpillar. Some kind of caterpillar. We've played. Before. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and this seems quite a bit better. So whenever there's a upgrade of a very clearly playable card and a substantial upgrade that has some unique synergies with things like Urza Saga, with things like Teething Wormlet, you know, trying to get to that multiple artifact setup, I think it's worth pointing out. And I also like just like highlighting a card that probably isn't that interesting. Like everyone's just kind of sleeping on it because it's not that interesting. It is just a one mana artifact. You probably just glazed over it. Yeah. It, this well, is a it's, pretty meaningful card. It, it snuck in also in the last yeah, batch. Of it was late. Game, so. Absolutely. Yeah. The, I mean, there's uh, the, the human reclamation stage, right? And I was like, oh yeah, we like, we get this effect and it's not completely embarrassing and it's on a thing with a good creature type and everything. And, like this is kind of another version of that where this is, uh, another reasonable disenchant that also has some extra value. Obviously, it, it doesn't kill everything, right? And a lot of the artifacts that you want to kill are actually creatures, but I don't know. This has like a lot of text on it. It does. I, a lot of man, good words. This is, this is almost certainly modern playable, actually, the more I think about it. This is like a, a very real card in that format, probably. No, th this is legit good with Saga. The little mite that could. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how often that really comes up anymore or how often those decks are 
playing green uh they you know you can always play an off-color duel if you want to yeah i mean i I could legitimately see things like hammer stretching to play green for this card to like have an edge in the mirror or various other matchups where you just have to be able to control an artifact or enchantment breach kind of for the mirror i suppose too i mean maybe yes that's not bad I think this is good. Uh, I, there are definitely Number some matchups. Number one card in the set, Haywire Might. Yeah, for for modern, I guess. Uh, not the card that you think would make a huge impact in modern in an artifact set. Traditionally, that has not been the case. It's not like, ooh, a disenchant or whatever. It's yeah. like a Mox or some silly affinity card or something. But no, there, there were a lot of matchups for the card Saga, where it's like, ah, my, my good tutor target is like, not actually that good it's like a thing that cycles probably or something so right this, this kind of like rounds out everything that's nice i like it yeah but yeah. uh yeah standard applications and there's like wedding announcement and killing killing fable feels bad obviously but it is the thing that you, you gotta do. do you gotta do yep uh so yeah extra extra life game cool i don't know how often i'm gonna play this but it's cool that it's there you'll be happy when you do and yeah, man. That, I mean, there's just a lot of other cards that are pretty reasonable that could have made this list. And I mean, we talked about like 20 cards that are all pretty awesome. Uh, some of it being reprints and just the removal spells and everything. So yeah, overall, like nice. Set. This is a this is a very good set. Very very good. Like certainly the best since Kamigawa. Maybe maybe better. Frankly, I I think like this is a real home run in uh, a lot of aspects and uh should be should be something the folks at wizards are proud of give me a reason to care more please if there was like a gp on the east coast coming up like just an old school we head down to chantilly virginia and we go to that (laughs) convention center that i've been to 10 million times i would go ahead and like start working on mono black i think it's really interesting and I i would put in the work try and have a nice deck and you know, show up and be on coverage and take down the tournament and have all the pride that I am a GP champion. Dude, but, you're you're on coverage every week. Maybe not yeah. the way that you would prefer, but you are there. Oh, oh no, trust me, I prefer it. <laughs> I'm quite <laughs> happy with that. Um, like, uh, but, you don't like two random commentators going over the fact how you have shuffled in your hand into your deck after cascading for like the yeah i don't i don't need that yeah Yeah, i don't need that in my life not Um, not a good time not a good time but no i i do think this is quite a good set uh and i i would appreciate more reasons to care about its impact on standard please and thank you well it's doing some stuff for pioneer which I like to yeah, say. I don't, don't want to play Pioneer. Pioneer's bad. Pioneer's a bad is, format right now. It is bad, and I don't like it, but it's getting closer and closer. And Modern was in a period, honestly, not that long ago, where I was like, I will just never like this format. And I, I can't understand like what would have to be banned or printed or what would have to change in order for it to get to a place where I actually enjoy it. And I actually do enjoy it because a lot of stuff changed. And... I am seeing that stuff beginning to happen with Pioneer. So it's only a matter of time, at least for me. I mean, maybe you have different metrics, but it's getting there. And these standard sets are a slow trickle, but I like it. And I'm just waiting for the time where I'm like, hell yeah, I actually care about this now. Yeah, I I do think that I can't ever actually get there until there is like the 
the events have to be there, frankly, like the GP style events. And I only feel stronger about that coming back from flesh and blood worlds, where it was just like an incredible, incredible experience. And like, just captured all of those things I used to love. And it, it has me, I mean, I, I'm not really missing it. I found my replacement, but I, I am sad that it is not present. So you have replaced it. Yes. Mm. Yes. But I, I still wish it was there because I would, I would certainly dabble again and I just want everyone else to have access to it. People who, you know, don't love flesh and blood, they still deserve to have that experience and they should get it in the magic space. Yeah. I agree with that. Maybe, maybe someday who knows. But Fingers crossed. In the meantime, all we'd have are Seder Wayfinders minus a card or whatever, just like almost strictly worse versions of things. And just like, uh, this is what you get. Take it or leave it, pal. Dramatic piano music, outro, game, etc. Good luck.